Hi, you're listening to The Retail Perch with Shekhar Raman and Gary Hawkins. We're going to discuss industry challenges and opportunities in grocery retail, AI, current and upcoming trends, and so much more. Hey, folks, welcome back to another episode of The Retail Perch there. Had some traveling last couple of weeks, so we didn't get an episode in. I'm back from India and uh, had a great trip there, Gary, and I hope you stayed well. Uh, yeah, great. So you're back. Labor Day is uh, past us. Hard to believe summer is over and we're headed in the fall. I know it's 2022. You feel like you're in the Blade Runner. You should be riding around in floating cars or something. <laughs> <laughs> but the future is on us for sure. And, uh, you know, I think typically the last quarter of the year is very busy for retailers. And I'm sure a lot of you guys who are listening out there are thinking about, gosh, holiday season is already here and they're planning. But, uh, you know, we're going to keep chugging along here. The Retail Approach bring you content and guests uh, that we think are valuable and exciting to talk to. And we have one more today. Old friends of ours, we've been working with WebStop for a number of years. And we have Sean Tuckett, who is the CEO at WebStop, here joining us today. Welcome, Sean. Hey, thanks, guys. Excited to do this. Yeah, I know. We've been eyeing you as a guest on the Retail Approach for a while. Finally managed to kind of let Stephanie know and send the invite out. Um, Glad we could find a time, and I know we're going to meet up here soon at the grocery shop as well. But Sean, why don't you take a few minutes and just uh, kind of give us, a, our listeners, a quick intro about who you are, your backstory, how'd you wind up doing what you're doing and what you do at WebStop? Yeah, absolutely. So thanks for the the quick intro here, and I'll try to keep this pretty short, and then we can get into more of the interesting stuff. But you know, my background is that I grew up in a, a grocery family. So maybe not the traditional grocery family, but my stepfather, Robert Hemphill, was in the grocery industry for about 30 years. He worked for companies like Randall Supermarkets, uh, American Stores, Jewel Osco, Catalina Marketing. And so he was always in their IT departments and doing all the techie stuff. And in 1996, he left Catalina and started WebStop. And so initially WebStop was not grocery focused. It was actually uh, just a website design company. And so that was really when the World Wide Web, nobody really knew what it was gonna be, still really uh, a kind of new frontier. And so Robert started building websites, with a few of his developers that he brought with him from Catalina, and quickly that became grocery websites because a lot of the contacts he had in the industry said, hey, we need these website things. So, you know, can you help us with that? And so, over the past 20 years, what that's grown into is uh, WebStop today is about 3,500 stores with our connection with Adsten, our partnership with shop to cook We specifically service about 2,000 of those stores. And over the time uh, between when Robert started it and now, you know, it's grown from a small family operation to, you know, a privately held 35-person company that uh, is supporting grocers all throughout the country. And, you know, specifically what we do is, is we build grocery websites we make websites for the independent grocer, the regional grocer. Those are really our key partners. And we also focus on our relationships with the, the grocery wholesalers. So we provide them platforms where they can actually uh, resell uh, websites to their independents as well. And, and as far as how I came into the business, you know, I, I went off to college in 2003 thinking that I was going to go forge my own trail, you know, be a, be a lawyer or be a history professor or do something totally different. And then by the end of college, I was uh, talking to my dad and saying, hey, I don't know if I want to do all this other stuff. And I don't know if I want to go work for some big corporation. You know, you possibly have a spot for me at WebStop. And 
Uh, obviously he was sitting back going, Oh, Sean, I thought this was going to happen the whole time. And, you know, but absolutely we have something for you. So I came in on as the director of business development back in 2008. And then since then, uh, I've led our sales efforts, our marketing efforts, uh, also have overseen account management. So I've gotten to work with, you know, thousands of independent grocers throughout the country, helping them figure out how to be more successful digitally. So, you know, they're looking at all these big, you know, problems and challenges that they face with changes in advertising and changes in technology and wondering how they're going to tackle it against the, you know, the Goliaths of the retail industry. And, and we're helping guide them along and show them how they can you know, convert media to a, a more modern format and, and use advertising budgets in ways that are going to continue to uh, find shoppers and engage them and, you know, just get to work with a lot of great retailers throughout the country and really help them as they go through the digital transformation that is facing so many different businesses today. You said 3,500 stores. Yeah. So something cool that's happened in the last, in the last two years is we actually created a partnership with one of our biggest competitors. So proud to say that we, we we can actually be a pretty good team player and 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 really think outside the box but uh we we partnered with shop to cook so shop to cook came to us about two years ago and said hey we have this great new media network for some of our stores and we think if we added webstops 2000 stores it would make it that much better so in 2020 we launched the ads the retail media network which is just a combination of all webstop stores and shop to cook stores and it, it allows brands to have a chance to advertise to the shoppers that are coming to all of our grocers websites. And uh, it's just another great way for these retailers to get, you know, a better relationship with their brands, get the promotions in front of their shoppers and really just move more towards this digital future that, that they know they're facing. So, so that Edsta is really a retail media network for, you know, the, the smaller mid-sized retailers, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's retail media wasn't even a term before 2020. I mean, there's been there's been retailers that for years have sold advertising space on their websites and, you know, found ways to monetize their digital assets in some way. But 2020 is when there really seemed to be this big shift in the grocery industry as a whole, where now the Walmarts and the Kroger's and the Targets were talking up retail media and talking about how they were creating opportunities for the brands. And so uh, we, we didn't know it was going to be called retail media, but that's what we had gotten started there at the end of 2019 and have really just been able to get a little bit ahead of it. And now we're really, you know, watching all the big guys kind of set the plan for the larger tier one stores. And we're finding ways to bring that opportunity to the independent and regional grocers as well. Neat. Wow. So yeah. when you have uh, some of your clients thinking about digital transformation and then, you know, this the new word that floats around omni-channel, you know, people are really thinking about connecting, I guess, with shoppers in multiple ways, right? And digital is obviously a huge part of that. Um, how do, um, has that has that concept of omni-channel shopper kind of trickled down to the independents and the small and medium chains? Do they, do they get the idea? I mean, I think 2020 was a huge accelerator for that, that kind of idea permeating and, and kind of percolating and getting down to the, the smaller independents. I mean, there are still, we still have, you know, some groups who are pretty traditional and are, are still kind of holding back on moving a lot of their budget over to the digital. But I would say that, you know, the majority of our retailers, especially in the last probably 12 to 24 months have really shifted their focus and are now making big changes with their advertising budgets and, you know, substantial investments in digital marketing. I mean, it was happening before, 
but definitely the events of 2020 and then coming out of that, you know, all the different things that kind of got accelerated through that have, have definitely sped up the process. I guess they figured they got to reach their customers somehow. <laughs> and if exactly. they're not digital, if they're not coming to the store, the only way is digital. So, yeah. so clearly you must have seen uh, some huge upturn, you know, 2020, 2021 in uh, your deployments as well, right? With the number of, and even traffic yeah. on websites. I mean, it's, you know, the analogy I like to make is that nobody's excited about a hurricane coming, but all the roofers are ready when it does. And so, you know, I got a friend in the roofing industry and every time there's a, a big a hurricane down here in Florida, he's out driving and finding new business because everybody needs him. And, and 2020 was kind of that situation for grocers. I think they, you know, so many more shoppers were driven back to that, that grocery shopping experience as restaurants closed and they just had less you know, opportunity to go out. And so, you know, our grocers absolutely benefited from that. I mean, they, you know, they had their challenges. The supply chain is not, you know, those challenges are not something to discount, but at the same time, they are, they all are, are very appreciative of the amount of business they've got during that time. And I think we were just there to, to help them along, you know, as they needed new ways to connect with the shoppers and make shoppers aware of quick changes. You know, when you got supply chain issues, you can't always put something out in a print ad anymore. So you got to have ways to quickly notify your shoppers about changes, what's available. So using email marketing and digital circulars where you can literally make a change, you know, five minutes before you want it to show and uh, things like that have, were really helpful. And then we also worked with a lot of our e-commerce partners in standing up e-commerce quickly for a lot of our smaller stores that, that didn't have it yet. So uh, in terms of, you know, if, if somebody was to start out today and, had to rethink their whole digital strategy. How would they do it differently from what they did maybe 10 years ago? What would you, what's your take on that? I think for me, you know, when, I, when I'm explaining to a retailer, you know, the kind of foundational pieces that I see as, as important when you're coming up with a digital marketing strategy, what, what I talk about today is that, you know, we have these, we have these assets, we have a website, we have the email newsletters, we have the circular, the digital circular that they're, they're publishing every week, we have mobile apps, you know, all those kind of pieces are, are, are key places where shoppers are going every week to learn about what is available. And, and that is their primary way of finding out what the sale items are for the week. And so when you think about those, how do you optimize those for as the most engagement possible? How do you, how do you put those, those in a position where, they're going to draw shoppers in every week. They're going to keep them coming back. And then on top of that, you know, as the shoppers are coming in, how are you working with your brand partners to monetize that traffic? So not only are you putting the sales in front of the shoppers and driving them in store, driving them to an e-commerce order, but with these retail media developments that have happened in the last three years, there's so many more opportunities now to say, I have all these valuable shoppers here. I have first party data on them. I have a relationship with them. They've told me that they want to hear about savings and specials that are available. So the, the retailers can turn to the brands and say, this is the place where you should be engaging with the shoppers now. The print ad is great. I don't want to throw that away yet. We still have a lot of shoppers who are loyal to it, but we need to start getting us ourselves set up for the future. And so let's start having you monetize some of the, the digital engagement and let's have you putting your promotions onto our digital assets. Let's use that as the way to get your brand promotions in front of our shoppers. I think that's the biggest thing that's changed uh, that I've noticed in the last few years is just that opportunity has gotten a lot bigger than it used to be. Yeah. So do, do you think this, this, the cycle time has shortened? Like typically, you know, retailers would plan an ad like two months, three months out, 
right? So has the flexibility increased where you can actually reduce that time and say, hey, I want to change this out two weeks before the ad goes live or a couple of days before the ad? I mean, have, have, we, have we, other platforms make that conversation between a retailer and a brand easier? That's the question. We definitely have some retailers that are uh, very, have a very short timeline in terms of when they're, you know, giving us the specials that they're going to be promoting. And, you know, we've got some who do it in as little as 24 hours, you know, literally on a Tuesday night, they're saying, hey, my competitor just published their ad. They got this on page one. And so I want to, I want you to put this on my page one and they're giving us that to our team and we're getting it up there. But I would say that's not the norm necessarily. I mean, most of our retailers are still following a pretty traditional uh, ad planning cycle. You know, they're, they're giving us ads, you know, a month in advance that, you know, they're telling us what's going to be the focus of their promotions, you know, usually three to four weeks out. But what they're doing on top of that is they're supplementing it with additional digital promotions. And I think the additional digital promotions are where that flexibility is possible. You know, they'll come to us, you know, we have, a, we have some big retailers up in the Northeast and they'll come to us on a Friday and say, I want to run this campaign next week. Let's get every, all the assets made. Let's get it out there. Uh, you know, let's work fast on it. But that's, that's usually the tertiary kind of promotion the weekly ad cycle for most of our retailers is still staying pretty consistent. Although I think that's beginning to change too. We've definitely got some retailers that are starting to really mix up their, their weekly ad cycle and do things with digital promotions and, you know, more key offers for different shopper segments. So uh, there's a lot of change going on. So Sean, what are you seeing as some of the, the features or capabilities that are being used and needed to really drive that that engagement with shoppers. You know, we read a lot about video and, and other things, but what are you seeing being most effective? You know, the top, first off, it's gotta be a mobile friendly experience. I think the number one thing we tell our retailers now is that we should be planning for mobile first. Mobile is where most of the people that are coming to your site are coming from. You know, a lot of our retailers have 70% of their traffic coming from mobile devices. So just making it mobile friendly first is a key. In terms of the specific features, you know, one that's huge is search. So search is something that we just started to scratch the surface on, but we've got some exciting things coming up, you know, in the end of this year and early next year. But search is such a key part of how people interact with grocery websites. You know, the search features that we have on a lot of our sites, that is like one of the top five features that's used each time somebody comes to the site. So, so search is a key. Also interactive, you know, circulars, that is still our most highly trafficked feature of anything on our websites. You know, the, the digital circular that has the ability to sort the items by department, by brand, search specific items, the ones that have the ability to actually have a digital coupon right next to the ad item. Uh, when we put a digital coupon in a digital circular, so we're talking about putting a digital coupon next to the ad item that's on sale we typically see upwards of 100% growth in the clip rate versus it just being over in the, the coupon gallery. So that is, a, that is a huge feature that we're pushing for, for almost all of our large retailers is you've got to get these digital coupons in the, in the most highly trafficked spots on your site. You are missing opportunities if you're just keeping them on a gallery or in a, a single email each week. So those are the ones that I'm seeing the most kind of upswing. And you're seeing a steady uptake in terms of digital engagement among shoppers. I mean, typically, you know, a lot of retailers that we've spoken to say the older population is really difficult to get them onboarded from a digital perspective. But I'm sure the last couple of years has forced a lot of people to, you know, they don't have a choice, right? They, they have to go it's, digital. 
It's true. And, you know, it's funny. We just launched a, a site for a group of stores and I won't get into the details of where they're at and everything, but they had a large older contingent that, you know, quickly sent in all the emails that said, what are you doing? You're getting rid of our print ad. You're making this mobile mobile app friendly and required. And, you know, this isn't fair. What are you guys doing? And, and the store said, hey, guys, like we're not we're not keeping these savings only to people who have smartphones. You can still get the savings. Don't worry. But, you know, there absolutely is that contingent of shoppers who is still very loyal to the old ways of doing things. And, and I think that's where grocers have to really toe the line and be careful with how they make these changes. But, you know, when we look at our shopper demographics on, on our websites and, and, and mobile apps, it often is the older shopper who is the one engaging. It's typically shoppers who are, you know, over 45 years old, uh, probably have more of that time to plan and, and, and find specials and take the time to clip coupons. I mean, the 20 to 25 year old or the 20 to 30 year old, those are not the, the power users on these sites. The power users are definitely that older shopper. And then, you know, you know, often stay at home parents who have, who are looking for deals, supporting a big family, you know, checking different retailers for what's, what's going on. And, and so I always think it's interesting because I think there's this mindset that, oh, if it's a mobile app or it's a mobile phone, it must be the, the millennials and generation Z that's using it. And it's like, no, those aren't, those, those kids don't plan. They, they just go and buy whatever they think of at the moment and they don't even eat dinner. They just have snacks all day long. So, that's right. you know, it's often that the supermarket. They're somewhere exactly. else. Yeah, exactly. So I, so the grocers have this challenge where they still have to make sure that they are appealing to those, you know, the crux of their, you know, kind of shopper base, which is often the, the, the kind of over 40 something shopper. Um, but those shoppers are absolutely digitally savvy at this point. I mean, 40, 50, 60 year olds. I mean, they've now been using this stuff for 20, 30 years. So they, they know how to do it. So are, are we saying that the habits that these millennials have currently, they're going to carry it with them into the next decade? Or would, do their habits change by the age group that they belong to? I mean, we're working really hard to, to make, we're helping our retailers with convenience and really trying to make these things as easy to access and as quick to use as possible. Because what we're seeing is a lot of these, a lot of these shoppers, it's all just about how quick can I get something done? You know, I want this fast. I want, they're not planning there. I mean, and it, again, it all, it all depends on, you know, the segment you're looking at. I, I don't want to speak in too many generalities here, but, but we know, you know, that we gotta, we gotta have a, a, a website that's multifaceted and can meet the needs of the person who is sitting at home, making a list and planning everything out and then coming in, but also the person who's just really quickly trying to jump on the site and see if, Hey, is this product available? You know, what price can I get it for? Or, or, you know, or, you know, the, the, the younger shopper who doesn't have 30 recipes memorized in their heads and wants to come up with something fun to do for them and their group of friends and needs an idea what to make, you know, it's, it's really hitting all those different kind of needs uh, in an effective way. Right, right. So when you think about websites for retailers, you know, I, in my mind, I, I look at it into two pieces. One is what the retailer wants to put in front of the shopper in terms of more static content and, you know, control through a CMS on their end. And then there's a shopper facing side of things, right? Things that they may want to clip coupons, save it into a wallet, create a shopping list. It's a more interactive nature of the website. As you, as you kind of build out these websites, do you see one taking precedence over the other in terms of traffic? I want to make sure that I, I I talk about this, you know, in a way that our, our retail partners will will not get offended. But 
you know, the amount of time put into the static pages of a site is often probably the, the largest percentage of the, the setup time, just because they are so concerned with that description <laughs> of their deli and that, that about us page. And I always have to, I always have to break it to them that, you know, that's about 5% of your traffic. And, and, you know, the amount that hardly ever has a return visit. Most of those pages literally is a one-time visit and then person never comes back to them. So, you know, it, it, if you look at our analytics and our metrics, it is absolutely the changing promotions, the weekly ad, the digital coupons, you know, the loyalty offers. Those are the items that are getting regular ongoing engagement so much more than the the static, you know, pages that are just describing what the store has available. And honestly, you know, a big part of what we used to do was really making, you know, great store locator pages and great pages with information about hours and departments. But now Google throws that information up as soon as you put the put right. the info into the search. So that the, the shopper never even gets to the site to get it. So, you know, we've really shifted our focus to to those those promotional pages that are changing every week or changing even more rapidly. That's where we're seeing the traffic drive to. So, so Sean. You know, if you sit back and look out, say five years down the road, what do you see this whole digital landscape looking like? Ooh, five years is a long time. I mean, what if you'd asked me that in 2019? I don't know. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> you know, as I think, I try to think in about two year, three year windows. But if we, what are we talking about? We're talking about about 2027. You know, what I've seen happen in the past year is so much more of that print advertising spend flowing into the digital. So I have to think that five years from now, that's going to be farther along in the process that we're going to be seeing even more of that spend now, you know, looking at, let's say we just look at a, a cross section of the largest retailers in the country, the regional guys, the wholesalers. I have to imagine that the percentage of, of, of advertising spend that is going into the traditional channels, the TV, the radio, the print, that's just going to be, you know, that much smaller. I mean, I, I've been reading with all this ads, the stuff we've been doing, we've, we've been getting a lot more into the brands and the CPG marketing and all that. And when you look at how much they are shifting, I mean, you don't see a, a Kellogg cereal commercial on TV anymore. You don't see uh, Frosted Flakes or Waffles or Eggos or any of that kind of stuff on TV anymore. All that money is, is shifting so much more to the digital marketing and the digital advertising. So I have to imagine that, you know, if we're looking in 2027, it's just a accelerated version of that. Retailers are, are, are getting so much more of their brand dollars flowing through the digital channels than, than the more traditional, you know, forms of media that have been, been going for so much longer. And uh, in terms of device access, do you see more people accessing these websites on mobile devices as opposed to desktops? I mean, we're, our, our retailers that are in, you know, it doesn't even matter where they are, honestly, we, we, we are averaging now anywhere between 60 and 70% of our uh, platform traffic coming from mobile. So I would think that that's going to be, you know, even higher, but, but the reality is also, you do have people who still sit at desks at, at offices and still sit at desks at home. And I think a lot of those people check out these specials and things, you know, while they're at work or, you know, right before they leave for the day. And, and so I don't think you're ever going to get that to a minuscule number, but I, I, but I do think that the mobile is still going to be, you know, the, the dominant uh, yeah. form of advertising and the dominant form of engagement, you know, down the road. 
Well, and, and we see so many shoppers today. I know whenever I go in the store, I really try to, to notice this, but so many shoppers in the store, you know, on their smartphone, researching products, looking for items, uh, recipes, whatever it might be. And, you know, one of the things I, I talk about regularly is this uh, sort of blending and fusing together as we go along in the digital and physical worlds of shopping. Uh, what what's WebStop doing in that space? How are you helping retailers understand this sort of convergence, if you will, and and supporting them on that? Well, didn't you coin that term fidgetal? Isn't that, did I hear that? <laughs> I don't I know if I that. coined it, but it's certainly a word or a term that's out there. It had to be a card event where I heard it the first time, but uh, <laughs> it was definitely, I, when I heard it, I was like, this is a good one. We gotta, we gotta use that digital term, you know, and we're talking to retailers, but absolutely, you know, we're working a lot with our, with our key retailers and, and our, our, the ones that, you know, really look to us for guidance. And, uh, you know, as we plan out promotions now, it's, it's, well, what's the in-store element of that? You know, is there, is there a, an end cap that's going to support this? Are we doing something with, you know, a sampling in store, you know, are there recipe cards that support this, this, this recipe that we're putting in the digital ad for the week. So, you know, I think what you're seeing is this real merging of departments at the grocery level and, you know, kind of responsibilities. I mean, web used to always be thrown, you know, digital always used to be thrown to the IT team. And then obviously that's not the case anymore. Marketing is now a huge part of the experience, but now we're, we're really getting a lot of work going with the merchandisers. So, a big, a big thrust that we have had in the last six months is working with our retailers and helping them to basically put together retail media strategies where they bring their merchandisers in, they train their merchandisers on the web assets and what website capabilities there are and what mobile capabilities there are. And then they say, go back to your brand contacts and you tell them that this is now the way that their, their message gets to our shoppers. And, and basically it's a you know, if you want to play, this is going to be the area you're playing in. So, it, you know, we're, we're helping our retailers to to really get all the folks who know how to do merchandising in the traditional way, but training them and helping them get them more engaged with this new digital reality. And and I think that's probably the the most present way that we're doing that right now. Yeah. So, in terms of data from these retail media networks, what kind of data are are, are the brands asking for? you know, as a, you know, analytics or reporting on. Oh, the, the brands want to know about movement. I mean, a hundred percent, the brands are interested in movement. They want to know about category growth. They want the brands are all of them want to know, you know, exactly how this, this digital promotion impacted, you know, the items in store. But the interesting thing is, is uh, there's been this whole talk with retail media and how, you know, retail media, the true retail media has an e-commerce component. And if it doesn't have an e-commerce component, well, it's just not really retail media. And, and you know, that's something that we have to, you know, that's a challenge for us because we're not an e-commerce company. So we are, we are an advertising platform. We are a, a, a marketing, uh, marketing platform for our retailers. And so when I, when I talk to the brand, sometimes I say, well, you know, I'm, you've got that billboard up for Publix out on the drive home every day. Does Publix know exactly how many people bought items because of that billboard? And, you know, I'm still seeing those. And then I've got, you know, I've got this ad that I've got and that, you know, that, you know, so it's, and I get that the, the value of having a promotion where you literally can connect the dots. I mean, I a hundred percent get it. That's great. You have that and you can do it, but we're also still talking about about 5% of, of sales running through the e-commerce channel. So, 
I'm saying to the guys, well, what, what do we want to do here? Do we want to just not advertise if we can't do that exact connection? Because the challenge with independence is they don't have the data platforms that Kroger has. They don't have the data. They don't have the data access that, uh, you know, a Walmart or a Target has. And so, you know, a lot of the brands want to bring that tier one kind of experience down to the independent and have it be exactly the same. And, and, you know, I'm often talking to them and just saying, guys, like we all know that independents don't have that same kind of access. So what can we do around that? What, what can we do? Can we, can we hook a digital coupon to this promotion so that we have all the digital coupon movement and we can use that as a guide? Can we work with the retailer and have the retailer do, you know, a, a two week, you know, pull a data from before the campaign and a two week pull a data after the campaign and show what happened during the campaign? And can we use that? Because, you know, it's, Obviously, I get why the brands want that data, but when you talk to the independents, I mean, it's nowhere near as easy for them to pull that as it is for some of the big, the bigger, you know, retailers out there. Yeah. Are you seeing a, um, a shift in uh, more independents wanting to play in the loyalty space or some kind of customer rewards space? Oh, How yeah. are they approaching it? I mean, I've I've had retailers who, you know, 12 to 24 months ago, we're like, I will never do loyalty. I'm not, it's not, we, 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 we will not do that. And then, you know, six months ago, Hey, Sean, can we, you know, maybe get like a rewards program set up and we're going to need to get phone numbers. And, you know, it's, it's definitely softening. I mean, I think, you know, I, I think about Kevin Coop and morning Newsbeat. you know, one of our industry friends that we've worked with for years and Kevin, you know, he, he'll get real uh, unfiltered and, you know, what is it? Analysis with attitude. He'll start talking about if you're not collecting data today, what are you doing? You're not even going to be around. And I, I, I get a little, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I still got a lot of good retail partners that aren't running loyalty, <laughs> but, but at the same time, I think it is so important. I mean, if you're going to be competing with, with the big guys and the Amazons and the targets, I would be surprised if there's a lot of retailers that in five years from now don't have some form of shopper data. I mean, it's just, it, it's hard to imagine. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, gone are the days where you could have a store located, you know, in, in some area where you're not competing with one of the big guys, right? I mean, Amazon delivers anywhere. Completely agree. I, I think, you know, shopper data has been uh, mission critical for a number of years now and is only becoming more so every day. You know, as you see a company like Kroger and some of the other regional guys really beginning to strategically use that data, growing their business literally one shopper at a time, you know, it's it's a stealth battle that's going on. This is not happening on billboards. Right. That's right. 100%. And I, and I think for us, I mean, we we work with we work with some some bigger chains in the in the regional space you know 150 200 store chains we work with you know 50 store groups and 20 store and 10 and everything in between and, and you know what i always try to tell our our retailers is is i say look we're not going to do what kroger does we're not going to do what amazon does but that's okay we don't need to do what they do they're big it's hard for them to implement things across the board it's hard for them to get a program out you know everywhere and have it just be a you know Oh, implemented in, in the same way at every store. But what we can do is we can focus on these, you know, hyper-focused campaigns that we get out quickly. We test the results, we see how they go. And if they don't work, we just move on. And it's not going to have the spend that, that say a, a Kroger or an Amazon puts into it, but we can look at those guys and absolutely replicate a lot of what they're doing on a smaller scale and, and, and still help these, help these independents and regionals be effective. And so, you know, that's what WebStop 
really, you know, I, I want to bring to the regional and independent grocers. I want to bring them the tactics that the big guys are using, but I want to help them to do it in a much more, you know, budget friendly way and in an effective way that, you know, does help them compete, but still, you know, recognizes that they're never going to be able to put the money in that some of those big guys put in. Right. Right. Well, it's been a fascinating conversation, man. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, you know, for grocers who start off, in fact, I was talking to a couple of them a few weeks ago, and I said, if you're going down the path of loyalty and you're just getting started, you're probably at an advantage because you can kind of really build it out in a more 2020, hindsight is always 2020, right? You can, you can learn on all the mistakes that people have made. And it's much easier to start today and implement technology than it was 20 years ago, right? It was way more difficult to get something started 20 years ago than it is today. And there's a there's more opportunity to try to uh, to you know come up with. I mean, even in your case, like if you if you're a retailer today, said I want to change these sites and I want to change this aspect, add a feature, it's probably far easier to do it today than it was five years ago, right? I mean, in terms of technologies. So um, if, if there was a retailer listening to this and they're still kind of wondering if digital is the way to go, should I invest, put my eggs in that basket or not, what would you say? How, how would you kind of make them feel a little bit more comforted about their approach? First off, I would just say, let's, let's give it a try. I mean, I don't, I don't want to try. I can throw every single stat at you and I can tell you that, you know, just look around and see how many people are using mobile devices. And I can give you the stats on, you know, traditional media and how it's changing, but all we need is six months to prove that this is effective. I mean, we don't, we don't need a long two or three year plan to show you that this stuff can work. We can, we can stand up a site for you. We can start running some you know, digital circulars, you know, start playing with exclusive online savings that aren't available in the print, uh, you know, get some digital coupons on there. And we can show you how you're going to build up an audience. We can absolutely, uh, you know, prove that engagement if we have a, a partner who's willing to come in and kind of partner with us and go through those steps. And so, you know, I, I struggle sometimes because I, I do I don't want to act like I, I know how it's been in the grocery industry for 50, 60 years. I mean, I'm only 37 years old, but, you know, having done this now for, for almost 20 years, uh, you know, I've seen the, the, the independents and I've seen the regional guys who are willing to lean in and give this a try. And so many of them now are, are doing so well and, and have really shifted a lot of their marketing in a direction that is to the future. And so, you know, I, I just want retailers who, you know, are maybe they're, maybe they're kind of overwhelmed by it all. You know, they don't know where to start, you know, that, that, but they, but they want to do something. And if they want to do it, I think we absolutely can help them in that regard, but they got to want it. You know, if, 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 if you're going into something, assuming it's going to fail and you're going to only really give it the, you know, kind of right. gentleman's try and then just say, eh, it didn't work. Well, well, that, you know, you knew what was going to happen from the beginning. So, you know, the biggest thing that I always go back to is just, this has to be a user-friendly experience. You know, don't forget that with digital, you need to be hitting on the same type of, you know, behaviors and attitudes that you want to see when somebody walks in your store. So when somebody walks in your store, you want them to have a greeting, you want the store to smell good, you want them to instantly feel welcomed, you want them to be able to find what they what they need in a quick and efficient way. You know, you don't want them waiting in long lines. You don't want them having a lot of trouble. 
it's the exact same thing online. And so we got we to gotta make sure that as grocers are faced with four or five different digital providers who are all bringing their own values, we got to make sure we put those together in a way that it works together in a user-friendly way. Because if the butcher and the produce manager and the general merchandise guy and the grocery guy, if they're confusing each other and putting things in the wrong places and everybody's having a different experience in different departments, that's not going to go well. It's the same thing on a website. We got to make sure all that stuff works together. It's effective. And the shopper is ultimately leaving that website saying, man, I, I just got through. I got a lot of great savings and it was easy. Now I can go in the store and, and, and turn on my, you know, show my phone and get the savings. If, if that's not a pleasant experience, then then we're not accomplishing what we need to be. Um, but if a, a grocer is willing to give it a try, I mean, I, I, I got 10 case studies that I can show how it's going to work and how it's going to be effective. Right, right. Interesting. I, I want to kind of wrap this up with this. I was in the grocery store a couple of days ago, Gary, and I was uh, at the deli section and I wanted to pick up some sliced ham. And I went to the guy and says, hey, can I get some sliced ham? He says, well, you got to go to that tablet and enter the order, right? And so I entered the order and it says, I'm going to have to wait 30 minutes before I get it because he's got to fulfill all the online orders that came in before he yeah. gives you mine. And I was like, I mean, they're kind of losing the plot here, right? Because you're yes. not attending to the customer. They've got yeah. great technology and interfaces, but then they don't have the personnel in, 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 the, in the store to execute on that technology. And somebody needs to be thinking about the experience on an omni-channel basis, not just, you know, digital right yeah. uh, purely digital and I, you know it's some, some of these funny things where people are too focused on interfaces and technologies and they forget the user experience part like you're talking about uh sean which is the experience it's not just the interface you need the experience that goes with it that kind of blends yeah. in well because you know I, I walked away they lost the sale for me because i was yeah. like i'm not gonna stick around for 30 minutes waiting for you to slice ham because somebody put an order online but uh, listen i have heard Terrific things. I know we work together at a number of retailers with at, at Bird's Eye, you and I, and I'm looking forward to doing some amazing things with you guys. But uh, thank you for your time, Sean. This has been fantastic and I'm sure very valuable. Looking forward to seeing a bunch of you guys at uh, Grocery Shop next week. I know uh, you guys have a booth there, Sean. Oh, no, we, we saved that money. You know, it's... Uh, All right. Okay. You know, I'll, I'll let... Well, I'll let I'll get you to spend it on me on a drink, maybe. <laughs> That's right. You know, I'm going to be set up right there across from the booths and I'll be just handing out free cocktails with all that money I saved. So you know, come by and we'll have a great time. <laughs> oh, well, if you, if you're there, you can meet uh, Sean, Gary and I, we're all going to be at grocery shop and uh, you know, be sure to stop by and say hi. And if you like the retail birch, let us know you did. And uh Thank you again, Sean, for being a great guest. And I want to thank Stephanie, who puts us all together with her minions. And uh, Gary, as always, fantastic co-host. Uh, anything uh, else to wrap up here, Gary? No, Sean, thanks for being with us today. We'll look forward and to seeing you. And by the way, I, you know, you saw me sipping from this cup. And if you do give us your address, uh, we'll show oh, you. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can have a retail perch mug. That's right. I'm yeah. ready. You I'm ready, coffee guys. or whatever you want out of that. It's just a <laughs> bit of flavor. So, all right. Hey, that's perfect. And hey, Shaker and Gary, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's always great catching up and, and getting to talk. I mean, you guys have, have set such a great kind of foundation for what you guys do. And, you know, Gary, you've been, you've been in this industry as long as my dad. And, or, you know, I think you've always brought such great insights with everything. So I appreciate getting to be a part of this. Thanks, guys. 
Yeah, Gary is like the Yoda of. of uh, That's right. That's right. So, yeah. I, I'm like the uh, I don't know. I want to I want to be Obi Wan. <laughs> you're on your way. You're on your way. Anyway, all right, and then you're the Jedi, right? There you go. All right. I'll take. I'll be the you know the child, child, the, you know baby Yoda. I'll take that one. <laughs> all right, it's been great. I look forward to seeing you guys, and thanks again, Sean. Hey, thank you guys. Make sure to join us every Monday and connect with us at The Retail Perch on Instagram and Facebook. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at theretailperch at birdseye.com. Until next time, this is Shaker. And this is Gary, signing off.